The advice given on sex and other human activities is for entertainment purposes only. If you've got a question for us, send us an email at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. Our collection of shit. Yeah, it's my entire bedroom. It's my collection of shit. Oh, my God. Welcome to Sex and Other Human Activities. My name's Marcus Parks. My name's Jack Zabrowski. And oh, do I have a problem with collecting shit. Oh, yeah, man. Ugh. I just love a knickknack. Yeah, Give I'll... me a knickknack. I love it. In the last two weeks, I have acquired an eagle puppet and a globe that was made somewhere between 1947 and 1957. It's you know amazing. How, you know how I know why? Because Israel is on there, but North Korea is not yet split. Interesting. I am a globe detective. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if you're a globe detective, but <laughs> so it's a 10-year span. It's not like you're pinpointing a date of which it was made, and then you're a globe detective. It's pretty close, though. I, I'm happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And the, and the big, gigantic eagle puppet does look... Pretty great sitting on top of my piano key thing. Ooh. Yeah, do which you is, use the piano key thing? Well, there are no chords for it to strike. So I just sit there and go, and the little hammers just go, and I hit it with one hand, and it feels real cool. Yeah, see, that's that's a knickknack. That's a <laughs> hardcore knickknack. It is a huge knickknack. It's about four <laughs> feet tall. Hell yeah. Uh, it's pretty wide. It's about a foot wide, and it just lays against my wall in a corner, but... God damn if I don't love just staring at the thing. We also have all your clay figurines. Like, I have a bunch of shit that I make yeah. and put up, and it's like, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I made it. Yeah. I've got my weird clay figurines. I've got. I've actually got uh, what I've been working on now is I've got some skulls, so I've been using the clay to add, like, little horns and spikes and eyes to the skull and giving them some really nice detail. Ooh. I've been making macrame plant hangers. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. That's pretty great. I've been working on my macrame. <laughs> Well, we're all working on stuff all the time. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's great. What I'm working on right now, main thing I'm working on, paranoia. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which you've worked on, I mean, f- through your entire life. My entire, par- if, you know, longtime listeners of the show know that like, that paranoia is a, a very bad problem that I have because I do have some definite, like, OCD qualities, some very obsessive qualities, and paranoia is an offshoot of that. Uh, And those obsessive qualities, it works in both ways. It can turn a good thing into a bad thing. Because when I start obsessing about a good thing, like something great that's going on in my life, if I think about it long enough, if I get obsessed with it enough, then that starts branching off into paranoia, and it can turn a good thing into a bad thing. Uh, And, of course, you know, when you're already starting with a bad thing, it takes a bad thing and it turns into a worse thing. I was having a conversation the other night, uh, and, you know, I kind of hit upon something, uh, the difference between paranoia and caution. Because the person I was having a conversation with is moving into a new neighborhood after living in a living in the same neighborhood for about eight years in a nice, nice, safe neighborhood, a very nice, very safe neighborhood. And she's moving to a I mean, it's not it's the same neighborhood that I live in. It's a little sketchy. It's a little sketchy. It's she's moving from Williamsburg to Bed-Stuy, you know, which, you know, they're two both in Brooklyn, not that far from each other, but still like a tiny bit sketchy. Uh, And she was voicing her concerns to me. And she's like, I don't know. Am I just being paranoid? Like, no, you're not being paranoid. You're being cautious. There are two huge, huge, uh, there's a wide chasm between the two. And the the way I, you know, talked about it, the way I thought about it is, you know, caution 
is okay I'm gonna be driving a car I'm gonna be owning a car and I might get into an accident so I'm going to buy car insurance or I might get a new accident so I'm just gonna be extra careful on the road I'm not gonna text and drive you know let, right, let's put it that caution. let's put it that way I'm I'm driving a car so I'm not gonna text and drive because that can cause an accident paranoia on the other hand is Oh my God, I'm driving a car right now. What if I just suddenly black out right now and I, I wake up and I've had, I'm going to turn the wheel into oncoming traffic and I'm not even going to know that I'm doing it. I could do it at any second now and then I'm going to kill a family of five. Oh my God, what's that going to do to my life? If I kill a family of five, then I'm going to not only destroy a family, but I'm also going to destroy what kind of per- fucking person am I? I? Oh my God, this is fucking the worst. And then you have a panic attack and it's awful. You know, I'm not a big panic. At- I don't have many panic attacks, but it's a... I guess a prolonged buzz is a good way of putting it. Uh, And I started thinking, how do I switch between the two? How how do I know what's paranoia and what's caution? And I kind of hit upon something uh, while I was, because I was thinking about it the next day. I was, you know, riding on the train uh, and thinking about it. And I came up with, I guess, two different things to think in my head, Uh, either good stop switch or bad stop switch. When I've got a good thought in my mind, once I get to the point where I start feeling like the good feeling is turning into paranoia, I go, all right, good stop switch. Because that tells like, okay, that's a good thought. That's fucking great. Stop thinking about it and switch to something Something else. else. Switch to a different thought. You know, switch to, you know, Saren at... You know, thinking about like, oh, I wonder what that person's doing today or, you know, concentrating on the book or thinking about what I have to do with uh, with that day and just switch. And the other thought, uh, if it's something terrible, you know, if it's something along the lines of like, let's say on the train, something along the lines of what if I black out and push that person out of the tracks, you know, something horrible, that's bad stop switch. And that comes much faster. Like as soon right. as that, as soon as that shit comes in your head, that comes much faster. Bad stop switch. And I've been using it for the last couple of days. And it's kind of the I guess the next furthest prog- or a further progression over what I talked about like on a, a much earlier episode. Uh, the other thing that I tell myself when I have the obsessive thoughts is there is no hand. You know, in which I talked about, I see these obsessive thoughts as little tiny rubber finger puppets that look like little monsters that you used to get in the supermarket, mm-hmm. little uh, plastic thing. Yeah. Uh, and realizing that if those monsters are inanimate, and if there isn't a hand for those monsters to rest upon, then they are just useless hunks of plastic that can do nothing. And so these obsessive thoughts, the the actual root of the paranoia and the obsession is this imaginary hand. And once I realize that there is no hand to hold those obsessive thoughts up, then that disappears. They just go away. Yeah, you have to stop the thought before you give the thought life. Yeah, like the there is no hand is like that is the base and good stop switch, bad stop switch is the action how you take care of it once the once you've recognized that that thought is going on uh then what i've also found with things like this is that after a while after you've done them for a while and after you've told yourself these things enough times that it becomes automatic it's not something that you have to do anymore it's just like when i like recognizing i had uh, for the longest time i had to really pay attention to was i happy or manic you know was i depressed or just feeling down 
really thinking about those things, you know, any time that either one of those things were happening. But now I know the difference. I don't think about it anymore. I don't, I don't think about, you know, if I'm happy, I don't think about, you know, am I manic? I'm just happy, you know. And if I am manic, I know I'm manic. You know, you learn to recognize the difference between these things. So once I do this for long enough, then things will get better. I'll have leveled up. I'll have reached the next point. But right now, to use another RPG term, I'm fucking grinding. Uh, grinding is doing a repetitive task over and over again in order to gain a level. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, I'm just killing skeletons. <laughs> That's it. That's all it is. I'm just ki I'm just sitting there just killing skeletons. Uh, and then once I kill enough skeletons, then I'll reach the next level and I can put my skill points in the right place and... I won't have to worry about those skeletons anymore. But I think that I think it's a really good idea. I like the good stop switch and the bad stop switch. But I feel like that's also a more intermediate step of dealing with your thoughts because you and you know if you if you've never really thought about like what's what am I thinking about when I'm staring off into space? What what's going on inside of my head? I feel like the first step is keying into what's going on inside of your head. Yeah. Because there are times when all of a sudden I'll come to and realize I'm like, why am I thinking about this? Because you're not even aware of where your mind goes when it is stagnant. Yeah. And I, I think that the first step is becoming aware of like when I'm sitting by myself and I'm not doing anything, which is very rare in our generation, but I'd like to do it often because I'd like to be aware of where my mind goes and dealing with it where, you know, I feel like at a more, at a more beginner level that it is saying like, okay, well, why am I thinking about that? And I write down the thought yeah. that because in thinking of the difference between paranoia and caution since it is a weird fine line but writing it out you can tell the difference it's the way in which you write it it's the detail in which you write it it's it's how dark it is and it's also is it the worst case scenario yeah you know i hear a lot when i have openly said that you know my my father is ex nypd there's a lot of things that have been put into me as a woman when i'm by myself things of caution and at times when i talk about like when I'm late, when it's late at night, or honestly, most of the time, I don't have earbuds in because I like to hear what's around me because I want to know what's going on. I want to hear if someone's behind me. And often when I say something like that, people are like, why are you so paranoid? It's not paranoid at all. That's caution. That is I, caution. I don't use it unless I'm in an extremely nice neighborhood. I don't use earbuds at night. And it's, I, I, but that's the difference is then when I hear something like that, I'm like, am I oh my god am I thinking too much into it it's like no this is something that I believe in it's not that I'm like I'm about to get raped I can't leave the house you know because that's the difference yeah. which when I first moved here that is what I would think when I would journal it would be like I wouldn't leave the house after dark. I, I would be scared to go places by myself. I would be scared to go to shows by myself because I'm like, what if I go to the show and someone says something to me and I mouth off to them and then I get into a fight and I get put into jail. That is paranoia. Yeah. That is like not trusting yourself and not listening to yourself. And when I would write that stuff down, I'd realize, okay, that is a worst case scenario. And if you're writing a worst case scenario and that's where your brain immediately goes, that's paranoia. Absolutely. But it's okay to be cautious. And it's, I, I feel that like now, we, you know, when we're constantly engaged in other things that like it's, it's immediately seen as, oh, you're being paranoid when you're like, oh, just look at your phone. Oh, just don't think about it. But you have to think about things. 
there are certain things that, you know, it's okay to be cautious about. And I don't think that you're being a crazy person for doing certain things. You're just being cautious. Yeah. And there's also a fine line uh, between paranoia and concern. It's not just paranoia and caution that are closely related. It's it's paranoia and like genuine concern. Like you got a friend that's going through some shit right now. Yeah, and I'm trying really hard to deal with it. I have a good friend of mine that has been doing comedy for the past three years who has a son um, in his hometown who, like, the son is has a mom and a stepdad and other siblings. They live in a big house, and, they, and he sees him about five times a year for two weeks out of the year, which is a lot more than a lot of people are able to see their children if they don't live close. And Dude, that's more than most people see their kids when they live in the same town. Right. I, I mean, if, if they're if separated, they're strange, then yeah. yes, absolutely. And he is deciding right now to move home. And it's all in the like a blame of like, I'm missing my son's life. You don't understand. You don't have a kid. Even though he's doing well in comedy, he moved here. He changed his life to go after his dream. And now is, I feel, I don't want to use the term giving up, but I, but he's going home to be like, well, I'm going to live three hours away from him. And at least I'll be able to see him once a month. And I just feel like it's hard for me because I am very open about how I feel about a lot of things to sit like because he's very funny and he's doing so well and I don't understand and I don't want to use the term giving up. And when Marcus was bringing up paranoia versus caution or concern that I feel that he has this paranoia that his son's life is going to be shit and that he's so selfish for trying to follow his dream. So he's moving back home to live with his mother three hours away from his son who has a wonderful family life it's not like the kid doesn't have anything it's not like i mean he has a wonderful life yeah and he's going home to give up on his dream to i mean to work a normal not not to say that that's bad no but like you know we work at a pie shop it's not like you have a background in being able to get like a high level position in a, in a in a southern state that is not made for the arts and and I don't want to tell him like you shouldn't be doing this why are you just moving away you already made the decision to move here why are you giving up because I feel like that's a bad role model for his son I feel like that like I would feel that if I was his son and my dad moved somewhere else to follow his dream and I have a wonderful family and I am not lacking in anything that I would respect that. But he doesn't see it that way. And so now I don't know how to talk to him. I mean, he's moving in about a month and he's completely made the decision and it's hard for me to even have normal conversation with him because I just don't agree with it. But it's not my, I mean, it's not my business no. either. And I feel that Sometimes when, you know, like concern can be turned into a paranoia of like, well, I'm going to ruin his life. Yeah. He's all parent. That's what he is. He, he has taken it to the point where I bet he's taken it to the point of the kid being 25 years old and seeing how much that he has fucked up that kid's life by living in New York for the net. How, how old is the kid? Like five, eight. eight. Yeah. So he's thought about this kid's life for the next 12 years uh, and every single way that he can fuck up this kid's life by not being there. 
uh, and he has gone past the point of being reasonable, I think. And but on the other hand, you know, I don't I don't know what's going on with this guy. Maybe and you know, maybe there is something to it. Maybe he does have maybe he's seeing something that, you know, that that you're not, but from what you've told him or from what he's told you, it sounds like I don't know, is he just using it as a, a reason to leave? I think so, and also it's hard. Like he just doesn't want to live here anymore? I think that it's just too hard and it's scary, which yeah. it is, and I understand. And also, like, I, I know of his past. I know of all the shit that he's had to deal with, which I think that it is another important thing to bring up on the show, that, like, sometimes a change of pace of, like, like of going back to your hometown or or reverting back to a place where you feel comfortable isn't going to change your headspace. He has a lot of other problems that he needs to deal with where I, I openly, because we talk very openly at work, and it's like I feel that you should talk to someone because I don't think that moving home is going to solve all of your issues. And I I think that that happens often to people. We're like, oh, but if I just move back and, you know, 10 years ago when I lived there, everything was fine, so I'm just gonna go back there and everything's gonna be fine. But that's not the case. When your mind is in a certain state, you need to deal with it. You need to talk to somebody to figure out what's going on and just going backwards isn't going to help. I've got two friends that immediately come to mind that I saw when uh, I was back home in Texas last time, uh, specifically in Lubbock, you know, not where I grew up, but, you know, where my brother lives and where I went to college, and I've still got a lot of friends there. Uh, and I have two friends that recently moved back to Lubbock, and they didn't grow up there either. But in college, they were, you know, I, in college, they were happy. You know, in college, they were safe. And I think that college was the last time that both of these guys felt like they were in control. And the last time, in the last time they felt safe. And the last time they felt good about what they were doing. And one of them is not doing good. Like, he's just, he's been back for a little while. Uh, and he's got some shit that he really needs to fucking work through that he is not address him whatsoever uh, and it is moving back to Lubbock is probably the worst decision he could have made uh, and there's and the other one like he's doing fine and everything like that but he's also got some shit to work through as well uh, but instead of working through their shit and facing what is you know pretty much just fears facing their fears about life they're reverting back to college you know and that it's not to say that you're going to do that forever because I have another friend who did the exact same thing and he just moved up here to New York about a month ago and he's doing great so far. You know, he turned all of his shit around and now he's living up here, uh, which is not to say if you go back, then there's no way to get out again. Well, I think it's, it's how you view going back. Like if you, you know, make a choice and you're like, this isn't working out for me. I, I'm going to go home. I'm going to regroup. I'm going to use it to springboard into my next decision. That's how the friend that just moved here to New York, that's how that's, he viewed it. And yeah. that's what I feel like that's the right way to go about it, that like running home away from things isn't going to change anything. Mm. But going home to regroup and being able to go back, it's like, okay, I was safe here. I'm just going to choose again. I'm going to choose something else, and I'm going to springboard off of this. Or even if you're staying in the same hometown, but you have another idea, you're working towards something else. But just going home to get into the solace of the cave of safety 
doesn't change anything. You're still going to have all the shit going on in your head. And you can go back and act the same way you did when you were in college. You can act the same way. But if you're fucking 33 years old, it's not you, you can't do that. It's mm-hmm. not the same. People are growing up like the place has changed. You have changed and you can't revert back that much. You have to acknowledge the fact that you have changed. You have made a decision and it's OK if it didn't work out. You just choose again. Yeah. And, you know, going home is a safe place to make a new decision. And I did that myself. Yeah. You know, started off on the West Coast, you know, fucked up, didn't work out. And I said, all right, I'm going to New York. I went back home to my hometown. uh, And it was honestly humiliating to do. I did not like doing it at all um, because I was always supposed to be like the guy that was going to get out and never come back. And I was the first one to come back. I came back after a couple of months. Uh, and it was absolutely fucking humiliating. Uh, but I, uh, use that as a springboard to come here to New York. So it's possible to do that. But if you're just going back and be like, well, this is it, you know, and, and that's another thing is like, I don't know if your friend is going to be happy there. You know, it's like, is that gonna, you know, is, is that really going to be the best thing for the kid is if his father is miserable? You know, but he, you know, that his father possibly will resent him for the decisions that he has seen that he, that he feels he has to make, that he doesn't really, I mean, doesn't necessarily have to make, but the decisions that he feels he has to make for his son, is that going to make for a good father-son relationship? And that's what, it's hard to watch because I also don't know what to say. Yeah. And, you know, I, I support him in his decision because that's the decision he's made and I don't want to, you know, make him sadder or feel guilty about leaving because that's not my fucking job. You nope. he, like he is riddled with guilt enough. But it's hard because he's not he's obviously not happy with his decision. And I guess sometimes when you have a friend that is like that, you just have to watch them go because I'm not going to stop him and it it's not I and and anytime he asks for my advice when you say well you don't have a child you're right I don't have a child it's a much different situation for me and if I wanted to go home and and it's not fair for me to use the term giving up because it's not my business Mm -mm. but it is hard to watch and it is hard to because I feel like it's been years in our friendship of me being like you are great you are wonderful, like, you're doing a great fucking job, I believe in you, and now I just don't even know what to say anymore. I don't and think it's hard. there's anything you can say. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, hopefully he'll use it as a springboard, or hopefully he'll go down there and start something else, but I think that sometimes when you're dealing with past shit, and you're dealing with other things inside of your head, that you have to deal with that first. Your brain is the cage that you live in. And if you're not dealing with the bars that hold you in, you can never be free. You can never be free to work on what you want to work on and and go where you want to go because you are living inside of yourself. And it's scary to deal with the bars. It's scary to deal with what's really going inside your head. But just because you want to forget that anything happened doesn't mean it's going to fucking go away. I agree with that completely. I like that. Yeah, that, I think that's a damn good way of putting it. We all have to live in our own brains. You know, that's where the only that's the only place you're ever gonna live. 
You just got to make it as spacious as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to our letters for today. Uh, if you have any uh, questions for us or uh, any comments on what we've said on this episode or any other episode, you can email us at cavecomedyradio at gmail.com. Uh, this first one we got, it was, this one's pretty rough. What are we going to call her? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking, man. Yeah, yeah. This one's, this one's pretty rough. Uh, hey, guys. First, thanks for all you do. I'd hope I wouldn't have to email you guys ever except to say how amazing you are, but I think I need you now since life is a little weird. Last Saturday, I was amazingly lucky enough to marry the man of my dreams in the very best and most fun wedding ever in my hometown with many family and friends. I spent much of it and much of the after party with a very close friend from my far away hometown, and we talked at length about her future wedding, took pictures, etc., all the things friends do at big events. I woke up the next morning to a phone call from her sister telling me that early that morning, after driving home with her boyfriend from our wedding, she got in a major car accident. They had drifted, overcorrected, and hit the guardrail where she was ejected. They held her on life support for a few days, but yesterday she was declared brain dead officially. Her boyfriend is fine mostly, just seatbelt, airbag, whiplash injuries, but she wasn't wearing a seatbelt, which of course makes me beyond angry, and both their BACs were super low, making it just a terrible freak accident. My question to you guys is this. How do I look back on arguably the best day of my life that quickly became the worst day for many others? I'm still processing and go, going through the motions and not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Her family has been great, but I just don't really know how I'm supposed to act since I will soon have tons of fam fun pictures and memories with her that were her last ones. Any help you guys could give is great and much appreciated. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys are great. Keep on trucking. As hard as this is to even Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is an extremely I mean this is this is rough. I mean I couldn't even imagine going through something like this. Like this this is the this is the worst nightmare from a wedding or anything any sort of I mean this is always what you this is the last thing that you ever want to happen. And the only thing I can tell you is I mean I don't know if this is any consolation but it could be just remember that most people the last day of their life isn't the best day you know the last day of their life isn't a good one most people the last day of their life is just like any others you know most people it's they're they're going to work that day and they get into an accident you know or they have a long illness and they die in a hospital bed but your friend her last day on earth was a party. It was a fantastic time. You know, it was something that she'll live. This is hard. Sorry. Try, <laughs> sorry. I'm trying sorry. to not. Like, <laughs> um, uh, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I think that in time, you will be able to separate the two events and remember how good of a time that everyone had. And like Marcus was saying, you know, it, it was a wonderful day. Everyone had a wonderful time and it is two completely separate incidents. Yes. And right now it's hard to even think because you see it all as one, but time heals all. And looking back, 
you're not going to think about it every time you look at the pictures and you have to remember that. And now it's not something that you can even imagine looking at those pictures and thinking of anything else, but it does heal and it will get better. And remembering that it was a wonderful day. It had nothing to do with what happened. It was a freak fucking accident. And you can't blame yourself. You can't blame the party. You can't blame the wedding. You can't, and it can't be something that is harbored because it wasn't your fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. And just shit fucking happens. And it's, and having the opportunity to have had that day together and to be together all day and, and to have those memories, that's what you hold on to. And, you know, doesn't sound like her family is holding anything against you guys because even you said, you know, the blood alcohol level was low. It wasn't, it wasn't anything. It just sucks. And at least you were able to marry your best friend and that you have someone to lean on through these hard times. And the memories, it's going to be hard now, but I think that in the future you'll be able to separate the two events. And at least that you were able to have that last day with her. Because what if it had happened two days before, the night before, when you weren't able to rekindle, that it wasn't that big celebration? Uh, not to say that, like, there could be anything worse, but that would be worse. Yeah. And remembering that there are worse things out there, which it I even makes me want to throw up that I'm even saying that. But it's true. And remembering that she wouldn't want you to live the rest of your life thinking of your wedding day as a day of tragedy. No. As someone that was that close to you. And if you're able to, you know, have a celebration of her life and then have another party that that is a celebration of her life and that makes things a lot easier in the long run. I'm sorry. I read this. No. You reading it aloud? When I read it, I cried. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel for you so much. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through this. But it will get better. And it doesn't affect your marriage. It doesn't affect your love. It just makes the walls around you even stronger. Yeah. And learning how to lean on other people. And when you look at those pictures, like don't don't think about what happened after those pictures. Think about what happened before them. Like think about that day. Think about all the good times that you shared with each other when you were still living in your hometown. Because I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there was definitely some. It sounds like there was some, I guess, physical distance between you guys uh, recently. So when you look at those pictures and you start thinking about a few hours afterwards you know it's think about look at the pictures and think about the latest point in the night in which a picture was taken of her and you look at that and you say that's where my memories of her end that's it that that is where that memory ends it does not go any further than that that is the end of my friendship with her and that's a terrible thing to think about but you know the end 
friendships sometimes they end in terrible ways. Sometimes they end in s- screaming fights. Sometimes it it ends with when you're talking to your best friend and you end up having a screaming fight and they leave and they um you know get into that same car accident. Your best friend left smiling. You know she left smiling. She left laughing. You left her smiling and laughing. Just that is your last memory of her, and that is where that memory should stay. And every memory memory before that, this does not diminish those memories at all. It doesn't do anything. Uh, like this doesn't color those memories. Those memories are the same no matter what. So just remember, when you look at those memories, that's that's where it ends, and that's really terrible that it has to end there. You know, we all have people that die in our lives, but. It has to end somewhere, uh, no matter who we are. Everything ends, but just be thankful that yours ended on the highest note possible. And, I mean, I have had a a friend die that we did have a celebration of life where, you know, went back to hometown, just had a bunch of pictures out. I mean, it was fairly informal, but, like, that's how we viewed it as a celebration of life with pictures out and telling stories and I mean we got really drunk because it was definitely (laughs) it was a rough situation but I feel like we had that time where we all talked about it shared our memories and then we cried Mm -hmm. and then afterwards I felt like okay I'm ready to send you off now and now my memory of you will always be what we just talked about, like that sh- that fucking time when you had a fucking scuba mask and you're smoking weed out of the scuba mask, and I'm just like, what are you fucking doing? It's like things like that, where it's like you talk about that kind of stuff and remembering that, and that's what I think of now, rather than the horrible way that she did die. Yeah, and we don't think about that. We just shared the memories, and that was the last that we really talked about all of it, and. If you're able to go back to your hometown and talk to your friends and just have a fucking get together of like, let's throw down, let's throw down some stories, let's fucking talk about some shit, and and let's laugh. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. It's remembering the good times, and and not thinking about the end. No. And as far as how you should act. Uh, I know that but I know that would be a, a very I mean any of us that would be so, something that would be on the forefront like how the fuck am I supposed to act right now you're grieving you know you're obviously grieving right now act act however is natural to you I, I, I know it's it's there are terrible th- there are terrible times in in life sometimes where you have good mixed up with bad. All at the same time, and in your case, sometimes in the same day, uh, in which you're happy and sad, happy about one thing and sad about another thing all the time, and it's very confusing. And I don't think you should become obsessed with how you should act, like how I should act around this person or, or that person. I think you should just go with whatever your feeling is at the time, because sometimes you will be happy, and sometimes you will be sad, and you've just got to go with it. Whatever you're feeling at that time, then go with it. And equilibrium will be restored. It will come, everything will return to normal. I, you know, who knows how long it's going to take. 
Uh, it could take a long time. It could take a short time. Everyone deals with grief differently. Uh, but you have a, a, a fairly, you know, a rare situation with you're dealing with grief and happiness all at the same time. So whatever you're feeling at that moment, go with it. You know, and you have, and if you've married your best friend, if you married the man of your dreams, then he will understand and he will go with it as well. He'll go along with you. You fucking better. You married the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, he, he'll go along with you, you know, so, uh, don't, don't worry about how to act. That's the last, that's the last thing that you need to worry about. And someone I hadn't talked to in a while, but you know, you look at all the wedding pictures on Facebook and someone that. I was friends with in high school I uh, and putting it together on Facebook I realized that her mother passed away the morning of her wedding and I you know y of course I'm separate from it so but I still I knew the woman I knew her and I knew her mother and and I knew what had happened and just I, I also saw that two years later on their wedding day they redid the wedding no. And but also it was also in commemoration of her mother, but to have another day to try to be like it wasn't that same. And if you're able to in the next, you know, in five years, ten years, not that you want to erase the memories of the day, but to create new ones. Yeah. That if it's something that like if you look at the pictures and you know it's easy to be like just separate the events, but it's hard. And if you're able to do it again and to not only celebrate life in general and celebrate your love, then you're able to. You're, mm -hmm. You married your best friend. You're with him for life. There's many years ahead of you that you're able to do it again. And it is just a day. And it's hard when you think, it's like, well, I spent all this money. I married the man that I love. But you've you've loved him for a long time. And that day, sure, on paper, changed something, but it didn't change anything in reality between the two of you. And also, you know, just remember that it is just a day in mm -hmm. the scheme of things. It doesn't change your love. It doesn't change what you had before. If you are together for the rest of your life, that is one day out of thousands of days that you're going to share together. You know, you're going to share, if you end up having, if you decide to have kids, you know, the birth of your child, that will be, or however many kids you have, that's another day. That's another big one, you know, but all these are just days in a series of thousands. Uh, and it doesn't diminish anything that you have, of course, and it doesn't seem like that you think it does. Uh, but just remember that that day, uh, it's like Jackie said, it's just a day. Yeah, it was a uh, a wonderful day. Wonderful. It was day. a wonderful day. Yeah. But I'm really glad you wrote in. I'm sorry for crying through most of this. I think it's <laughs> excused. I, I, I think it's very much. It's very much. It's no. Don't apologize. And I just, my heart is with you. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. This is our hearts with you. Let us know. Let us know how it goes. Let us know how you're doing. Uh, and if, if anybody out there has, um, has anything, any sort of similar situation, uh, that they've been in, in which you've got grief wrapped up with happiness, um, write us in cave comedy radio at gmail.com. If you've got firsthand experience with it, uh, and you've got something to say to her that might, uh, that might, um, help, help her, her through it, please let us know. I think we should just do one today. 
I don't know if I can continue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very sorry. Obviously, we're not professionals. Because, (laughs) I mean, if this is a case where I'm not being very professional right now. No. (laughs) It's not that we're being unprofessional at all. This is one of the reasons why I gripe. It's called called empathy. (laughs) And you've... um, you got quite a bit of it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to end the show uh, there today. Uh, like I said, capecomedyradio.gmail.com. If you've got anything that uh, that you want to ask us, anything to add to our show today, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>